0: Right, so we do have a brand new year, 2022. I know you are quite aware of that, (laughs) and I want to make a confession here. Almost every single year, I have a top four, maybe top five, New Year's resolutions for myself. You can probably guess what they are. Um, Within that top five for me is always going to be I want to lose weight, Um, and uh, with that is going to be diet and exercise. Both of those together, diet and exercise, so that I combine those into one resolution. Uh, A second one, usually for me, is also spiritual growth. I want to grow spiritually. A third one in there in my top five is I want to get more organized. That's always in my my top five list. I want to get more organized. Always in my top five list, I want to grow personally and relationally in my life. I want to grow. And then uh, sometimes I'll slip in something like this in my top five, that I want to keep my email inbox cleaned out. And I will have you know, I've, I'm, uh, I'm not too far behind. I've only got about a thousand emails right now, but sometimes it gets up to like six or seven. So at a thousand, I feel like I'm not yet blown my, <laughs> my New Year's resolution. I think I can get that down uh, in the next couple of weeks. So those are always my top five. And so, you know, with that, every year, number one, I want to lose weight through diet and exercise. That's always number one. And so with a cheeseburger in one hand and french fries in the others, I always say, um, I'll start that tomorrow. <laughs> and that's how that works for me. And usually, with my New Year's resolutions, I usually don't last through the year. Usually don't last through January. And sometimes it's just a few days. And so... I have the same New Year's resolutions year after year after year after year. So can we confess this morning? Um, Would you either raise your hand or nod your head if this is correct for you? How many of us have a piece of exercise equipment in our home that now has become something to hang something on or stack something on or it just hasn't been used much at all? Does anyone have one of those? Okay, I see. Well, my wife raised her hand. Are we the only ones that are so bad? Oh, okay, great, great. I see those hands. I see those hands. <laughs> great. Thank you. Thank you. Well, so I'm not alone. Um, the reality is most of us don't just have one of those Most of us, we have two or three of those pieces of equipment in our home. Um, We seem to be willing, and we want results, at least that's the way it is for me. I'm certainly willing, I want results, um, but it seems to remain the same year after year after year. Um, And the truth is, usually it's not remaining the same. The truth is, I'm usually slowly getting worse, actually. I'm not remaining the same. I usually slowly develop worse health. I get more unorganized. I've already told you that there will be moments this year that I have five, 6,000 emails. So I get worse. I get more unorganized. I get worse results as the year goes on. So here's a serious moment, serious question. Now, don't raise your hand on this one. Um, don't acknowledge just this is something... To answer inside of your own thoughts here. How much for 2021? How much have you really changed this past year? Changes that you wanted to make. How much have you really changed in the past year of 2021? Now, there may be a few of us this morning that have actually changed a lot on purpose. You wanted to change and you stuck with it. But statistically, most of us, we have the same story year after year after year after year. I think it can be summarized by just saying this. If you're anything like me, we're just a bunch of apple biters. <laughs> That's all we are. And here's what I mean by that. Like Adam and Eve, we bite and then we blame. Adam said, That woman, that woman you gave me, she made me do it. And Eve said, That snake, if it wasn't for the snake, I wouldn't have done it. That dirty snake talked me into it. And we have the same tendency we bite and we blame. And that blaming usually takes the form of finger pointing. With all the reasons why we haven't changed, we have a lot of reasons that we can point to. We can say, it's my parents, my parents' fault. They screwed me up. It's my parents' fault. It's my family's fault. Do you know how messed up my family is? They're all screwed up. It's my teacher's fault. That's the reason. She is so mean. Or it's my boss's fault. She is so unreasonable. My spouse's fault. Have you tried to live with them? Have you seen the way they treat me? My kid's fault. They just don't listen. Or it's my genetics fault. It goes all the way back to my history. I'm just big boned. Or it's Trump's fault, or Biden's fault, or Obama's fault, or Bush's fault, or Clinton's fault. Maybe the Supreme Court's fault. I could say it's McDonald's fault. They started the industry. (laughs) It's Walmart and Amazon's fault. They made it too easy to order. Maybe it's minimum wage fault. But whatever, it's not my fault. I just don't have enough time or energy at the end of the day. It's not my fault. Maybe it's the healthcare system's fault. Maybe it's the insurance system's fault or the government's fault or maybe it's my job's fault. I'm just exhausted. No matter how many people I point to or how many circumstances or reasons that I point to to say that's why I didn't follow through this year. No matter how many reasons I use, every one of the reasons why I don't do something, they're all connected by one thing. You know what that is? They're connected by ourselves. They're connected by me. Every reason I say, that's the reason I didn't do it, or that's the reason, it's that, that's the fault, that's where the fault lies. I'm the only thing connected to all of those reasons. With every reasons, for any of us, why we don't get something done that we want to get done or we need to get done, we are the only thing connected to all those reasons. So when I don't control myself, like Adam didn't control himself, I'm similar It's because I bit into the wrong thing. The reality is this. I'm my own worst enemy. It's not them or it's not that. It's me. I don't control me. And at the end of the day, I don't get done what I want to get done or I don't get done what I need to get done because I don't do it. And when I don't control myself and I take a bite like Adam, then I fool myself into feeling better if I can blame somebody else or point to something else, anything else, for why I don't do what I needed to do. So... Welcome to 2022. Aren't you glad you came today? Oh, I'm so glad. So in summary, let me summarize what we've taught so far. I don't control myself. I'm what's wrong with the world today, the whole world, the entire world. So have a great year. We'll see you next Sunday. I can't change the world. And I know this because I can't even change myself. That's how I know I can't change the world. But I do want to say this. If you are willing to go on this journey with us through the month of January, every week through this series, I want to tell you that I believe that everything can change. And we're going to learn how to begin to control ourselves. And we're going to learn it together. And I've already told you this. Next door, your children from the first look preschool age all the way through the fifth and sixth graders. They're all learning that on their level right now. And I'm so excited that we get to talk about the same thing in here on our level, a teenage and adult level, right here. And I'm hoping that you will have conversations, if you have a child next door, that you will have conversations with them about this topic. Are you ready? All right. Let's begin to learn this together. Now, in case you have to leave early today, let me tell you what we're going to be saying. This is it. Today, it's all about being ready to do the right thing. Because we firmly believe it's not just going to happen. Doing the right thing is not going to just happen. So here's what we need to do. We need to plan ahead and be ready to do the next right thing. All right? That's what we're teaching today. Now, if we don't do, and I put myself in this, if we don't do something differently this year, to actually begin to control ourselves, then by the end of the year, we will end up with the same disappointing result. That's what happens. Now, I can't speak for you, but I feel like in my life that I'm ready for something different. I, I am tired of being my own worst enemy because that's what I am. Now, I hope that you can stay with us this morning. Because the statements that are on the screen right now, that's what we're going to unpack. And in fact, Jesus really gives us our help in this topic and gives us our first steps for today for this series. But before we jump into this biography of Jesus, now the biography we're going to be looking at was written by a man named Matthew. And Matthew had face-to-face encounters and a face-to-face relationship with Jesus. And so he is going to be the one who's recording the information that we're going to be reading today. Uh, but first, before we get started, I want to give you like a 30-second history of the world so that you kind of know what part of the history of our world that we're talking about. And so here's the 32nd version of the history of the world. An all-knowing and all-powerful God... Um, who knew everything that was going to happen. He chose to create this world and he chose to put us on this world he created to make us and put us on this world. He absolutely knew that we were going to blow it, that we were all going to become apple biters. He knew that. So he already came up before that creation, came up with a plan to fix The world when it broke because he knew it was going to get broken so he created the world and sure enough we chose to live how we wanted to live that's what we chose to do instead of how God created us and designed us to live we lived our own way and that's when the world broke and God immediately started his plan to fix the world that was his plan he knew we were going to break it and he was ready to implement his plan that's what he did Ten generations after Adam and Eve, the first people. Ten generations later, we have a guy named Noah. You might have heard of him, Noah and the ark. That's what he's famous for. Ten generations after Noah, there's another guy, really important. His name was Abraham. You may have heard of him. And about 41 generations after Abraham, that's when we come into uh, through those generations you hear names like Moses um, he's the one that parted the, the sea that led the children out of uh, the Israelites out of uh, Egypt that's Moses then you hear other names like King David and Solomon you hear those names so through that 41 generations ultimately it lands at the most important name in all of history and that is Jesus of Nazareth and that is That was God's plan to fix the broken world, and God said to fix it, God himself was going to have to show up and fix this broken world, and that's exactly what he did. God showed up on this earth as Jesus of Nazareth, and that's when he came to fix the broken world. He came and did it himself as a man and fully God at the same time. It's, it, it's, it's one of those paradoxes that you hear us talking about. And we actually celebrate that time that Jesus came to the earth. We celebrate that in December, and that's what we just did. But about 30 years after Jesus came to this earth as a child, 30 years later, that's where we're picking up this story today, 30 years after Jesus arrived on the scene. And so here we have Jesus beginning this three-year march toward the cross. So, with this question, do you want something different in your life this year? And I would like to add to that. I think we could all agree that it's really not all that mysterious. Not at all. Here's the simple truth behind it. If we want something different this year, we need to do the next right thing. That's what we need to do. And here's the key, and we're going to put that on the screen for you. If we want to do the next right thing, then we must be ready the way Jesus was ready. That's the key, and that's what we're going to unpack today. So before we can choose to do the next right thing, we have to be ready and prepared to choose that in advance to choose the next right thing and if we don't statistically most often we won't do the next right thing if we're not ready and prepared to choose the next right thing so the question here is then how did Jesus get ready how did he get ready how was he prepared to do the next right thing so that Jesus never became an apple biter like we did he never had to bite he never had to blame So Jesus was born, he grew up, but before he could go on this three-year march toward the cross, during that growing up, Jesus was in a very specific relationship. So obviously he was in a relationship with himself, but he was, more importantly, in a relationship with God. Now, you might be thinking, but Harley, I thought you said Jesus was God. Well, he is. God describes himself to us throughout Scripture as a, a, a being with three distinct personalities. Three distinct parts. He describes himself as three separate parts, but somehow completely one again it's a paradox a paradox is two seemingly opposite statements or truths but each one while they seem to be opposite is absolutely true and it's true that God is completely separate and at the same time it's true that he is completely one and our minds just can't comprehend that and that's okay it's a paradox So we don't serve three gods. We serve one single God. So we have Jesus, who is the Son of God. Uh, Andy Stanley says it's God with a bod. That's how he describes Jesus. And Jesus was in a deep relationship with God the Father and also with God the Spirit. All right, and we're going to get a snapshot of that as Matthew has recorded this incident in the life of Jesus. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 3, and I'm going to start with verse 13. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. Now, this wasn't John the apostle who followed him, uh, who was a disciple of Jesus. This was John the baptizer, John the cousin of Jesus. Verse 14, but John tried to talk him out of it. He says, I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you. He knew Jesus was the Messiah. He said, I need to be baptized by you. So why are you coming to me? In verse 15, but Jesus said, it should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. So he refers to God as God, one, one single God. But here we have Jesus who's God's son, who is part of God. And he says, we need to do what God requires. I know, it blows my mind too. So John agreed to baptize him, verse 16. After his baptism as Jesus, so again, Jesus being the first part of God. And in this snapshot, we're going to see each part of God in this snapshot. So we have God's Son, Jesus. As soon as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. So now we see the second part of God, God's Spirit. So we have the Son and now we have the Spirit. And it's God's, as best I can tell in Scripture, it's God's actual Spirit that was there. Not really a dove. It says it descended on him like a dove. So somehow it was very peaceful and serene, yet it was recognizable. Somehow everyone knew that is God's spirit and it's settling on Jesus like a dove. Somehow, obviously, God's spirit. Verse 17, And a voice from heaven said, So now... We have the third part of God in this story right here. It's the last part. It's God's the, the, the personality of God as God the Father. And so a voice from heaven. So we've all seen now three parts of God. God the Son, then God the Spirit, settling on God the Son, and then we hear the voice from God the Father. Each one completely separate, but somehow with the paradox, they are one single being, God. God the Father says, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Jesus. God who became a man was in relationship with God the Father and God the Spirit. The person of Jesus was in a tight, growing committed relationship with the person of God so for us if we want change by the end of this year it all starts like Jesus just like Jesus before we can consistently choose to do the next right thing we must be ready the way Jesus was ready And here's how he was ready. We get ready to do that by being in a tight, a growing, a committed relationship with the person of God. So tight, so committed that God would look at us and he would say, Yeah, 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 there's Harley and he is my friend. He he brings me great joy. It all starts right there. And without that tight, committed, growing relationship with the person of God, I am going to remain my own worst enemy. Period. Period. But there's a problem. God seems so distant. That's the problem. See, I-, I want to be in a tight, growing, committed relationship with God. But if you're anything with, like me, there are moments in my life where God seems so distant. There are moments where I don't really feel like I know him. Or I, there are times and seasons in my life where I don't feel like I can know him. And that's because, here's the truth, not only am I my own worst enemy but so often I'm living like the enemy of God instead of the friend of God. We will never get close or tight in a relationship with anyone, including God, with with anyone if we don't commit somehow to be with them every day, to be with them, present in that relationship every single day. And it takes hard work to make relationships work. And that's what Jesus did. He did that. And that's what we have to do. We have to do the same thing. See, we feel like God is distant because we are distant from God. We are. Most of us have this friend Maybe you know them from your past, or maybe you were in high school, or or just another season of your life. This friend that you have, and maybe you don't see them much anymore, and you don't text them every day, or email them, or talk to them on the phone, but they're from your past. But the moment you see them, maybe every few years... And when you do see them, it's like nothing has changed, right? I mean, you just pick up where you left off and everything is great and you get to talk and you get to visit, but you don't see them every day. But you ha- but still, you know you're close to that person. If you needed them, you could call. They're from the past. You don't see them. You don't talk to them because you're not around them anymore. Your lives have changed. You've gone on. You may live in different places now. But if you do see them, you pick up right where you left off. And it's wonderful. It's great to have those kind of friendships. Yeah. Okay. God's not like that. <laughs> he's not like that at all. But that's what we think that God is like. We think that we can start a relationship with God and then we can kind of move away from him and we still have that and it's tight and it's committed and we know he's there. And, but he's not intimately, and I mean intimately, deeply involved in the details of our life moment by moment every single day. Maybe we just kind of see him occasionally, all right? Maybe we just kind of show up 15, maybe 20 times a year to church, and we just kind of give him a wave and a wink. We say, hey, God, woo, I'm here. I am here, God. It is great to catch up with you. I'm glad to be here. And listen, I'll probably see you in a few weeks, maybe, you know, four or five weeks, maybe three, but I'll see you later. I'll see you later. And that's not how relationship really works. But that's how we work it with God. No wonder that we're usually not ready to do the next right thing the way Jesus was ready to do the next right thing. Because if being in a deep, committed, tight relationship with God is the first step towards being ready, then if we're being honest, we might have to say, then if that's the first step, I'm not ready. Think with me. If we're spending an hour with God on Sundays every few weeks, that's what we're doing. That's maybe, I don't know, 15, maybe 20 Sundays a year. I mean, think about it. 20 hours out of 8,736 hours, we take 20 hours. No wonder out of 8,700 hours, and we take 20 hours and we say, God, I'll give you that 20. But I'm going to take the other 8,716. We think God looks at us every few weeks when we show up and we think he looks at us, throws us a smile in a week and it's like, Hey, great to see you there. I see you. Great to see you there. When maybe it might be a little more like, hmm, hey, uh, listen, I know I've seen you before, but uh, let's see, give me a minute, give me a minute. You're, uh, uh, wait, I know, I know you're from somewhere. <laughs> well, we know God's not like that. He knows us, we know that. The problem is, we don't know him. We don't know him. We just think that we know him. We don't know him. If I'm gonna be ready To do the next right thing, I must be ready the way Jesus was ready. And I get ready to do that by being in a tight, growing, committed relationship with the person of God. So, Matthew goes on, the very next verse. Matthew chapter 4 now, and it's verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So as soon as Jesus came up out of the water... He was then led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Notice it's a wilderness. Spirit didn't take him to a beach house. Didn't take him to a vacation, not a retreat, no. God's Spirit took Jesus, God the Son, into a dark, lonely, abandoned place. But it's a place, it's a place where Jesus was still in a deep, tight, committed relationship with God. So it's not so important where God's Spirit took him. The important thing is who Jesus was with. And he was still with God. And not just entitled, not just like, oh yeah, 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 I'm, I'm on God's team, I know God. No, Jesus really was. He was there talking to, living with, doing life in that wilderness moment by moment in a real relationship with the person of God. So God's spirit walked Jesus with Jesus life on life right into the wilderness. And here's what he says. Uh, Matthew says to be tempted there by the devil. Verse two, for 40 days, And 40 nights, he fasted. 40 days. Nothing but talking with God. Not eating. 40 nights. No distractions. No snacks. Just nothing but being in a tight, committed, deep relationship with with God. I get the idea that Jesus really really knew God. Now, because Jesus made it a point to remain in that tight, committed, deep relationship with God, moment by moment, 40 days, without food, just God. This is what Matthew says next. And he, Jesus, became very hungry. That's the first big understatement of 2022. After 40 days and 40 nights of not eating any food, Jesus was hungry. Verse 3, during that time, the devil came and said to him, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Verse 4, but Jesus told him, no. The scriptures say, and that's where we're going to pause today. We're not going to break down today those specific Temptations that Jesus experienced there in the wilderness that we have recorded. We're not going to break those down. We don't have really the time this morning to analyze those temptations, to break them down. But here's what we know about the temptations that Jesus faced over that period of time and over the whole course of his life here on earth. God tells us that over the life of Jesus here on this earth, he was tempted in every way that we are tempted today. Technology is different, but the temptations were the same. We know that Jesus was tempted in every single way that we were tempted, and yet Jesus controlled himself every single time, and Jesus never became an apple-biter like we did. So today... We're focusing on this. Jesus was ready to do the next right thing. And getting ready, we've already said, started with this, by living, Jesus living in a deep, tight, committed relationship with God. He really knew God to the point that God looked at him and said, yes, you bring me great joy. That's what God said about Jesus. Now because Jesus was in that kind of a relationship with God, he had that part down. So if we're going to do uh, this the way Jesus did this, Jesus had this first part down here. He was in that relationship. And so the evil one comes up to Jesus, we just read that, and the evil one shoots. He fires a temptation at Jesus. And Jesus now is ready the second way that we want to start talking about. Jesus was ready to control himself a second way. And Jesus is ready to fire back. So the evil one comes up to him, pew, 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 and he fires a temptation at Jesus. And Jesus shows up and is like, boom, and he responds. Jesus is ready, and he fires back. With the words of God. Scripture. The second way that he was ready. He was ready. Jesus already knew those words. He already knew those words. He didn't have to go look them up. He didn't have to call someone and say, hey, listen, I need a verse for this. He didn't have to go Google it. He didn't have to say, okay, uh, verse on temptation about bread, temptation about eating, temptation about this. He didn't have to go Google it. Jesus already knew those words of God. This is going to be on the screen for you. He was loaded with and was ready He was already living all those words of God. He didn't just know the words, he was living those words. And that made Jesus ready to do the next right thing. Because Jesus then was not surprised. Even if he was not ready for that temptation, he was ready for it. Even if he didn't know a temptation was coming, Jesus was ready for it. He was not surprised. Every time the evil one fired off another temptation, pew, 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 Jesus fired back, boom, with another scripture. Another part that he already knew and he was already living the truth in that scripture. Jesus was ready to do the next right thing. I must be ready. I must be ready the way Jesus was ready. And not only did Jesus know, not only was he in a tight, deep, committed relationship with God, Jesus knew what God said. And Jesus was already living those words. He knew them. And he was living those words. He was ready. To the evil one, all Jesus had to say was, listen, no, no. Jesus was like, here is a principle out of God's word. Here's a principle, and I'm living this principle. I'm saying no to you, and I'm living this principle. Jesus was ready to do the next right thing. He was ready and prepared to control himself. And it all started by being in a deep relationship with God and then knowing and living what God said. The same way Jesus got ready, that's how we get ready too. It all starts right there. We can't skip that and think that we're ever going to be able to consistently do the next right thing if we skip those two things. We can't skip it and think that we're ever going to be able to control ourselves for very long. So here's what we're asking today. Not for a new set of New Year's resolutions. We just simply want to encourage you to do those two things this year, just determine to get to know God and his words. I must be ready the way Jesus was, was ready. So if we could encourage you in a priority for 2022, we would give you these three S's. Here's the first, Sundays. You know what? I, I would challenge you. I would challenge you. To be part of the church in Malvern for like 50, sorry about that, for like 50, maybe 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 50 Sundays out of the year. I would challenge you to, and, and encourage you to say, I'm going to be a part on Sundays. And then here's the second S. Not just to be here, but to actually take steps with us. We call them next steps. And we believe that every week there's some kind of next step that we can all take in our relationship with God. And we end every Sunday morning by Cole and I will, will suggest some next steps. But you don't have to go with the suggestion. God may be speaking to your heart and then you just follow him. Say yes to that step, whatever he's telling you. But we would encourage you not just to be here on Sundays, but to take steps with God every single week. And then here's the third S, small groups. You'll hear us talking a lot about small groups in January because very soon we're going to start signing up. Cole uh, and myself, we will have that information in the next week or so, and we will start signing up again for this next trimester of small groups. We'll have a small group for adults, at least one, and we'll have a small group for teenagers. The children, they experience their small groups on Sunday mornings. That's what they're doing right now. And then we'll have student groups and we'll have an adult group. We encourage you, make a priority in these three S's. Sundays, next steps, and small groups. And then I would even kind of give it one little half step further, especially through the month of January. But I would encourage it every week. Have a conversation with your child and your teenager have a conversation with them about your next steps and a conversation with them about their next steps. And see what God does in your life over the course of 2022. That's my encouragement. Now, before we, before we sing together about our amazing God, Let's talk to him together one more time. Let's pray. God, you told us. You told us that we had a friendship with you, God, that was actually restored. The relationship that we broke, you actually restored that friendship by the death of your son. And God, even while we were still your enemies, you died for us. And God, I pray, I pray that we can submit our lives to you and that we can be called a friend of God. And God, I pray that this friendship that was only made possible by the death of your son, I pray that this friendship can grow and grow and that we will chase after you and that we will seek you, that we will pursue you moment by moment, day by day, and that friendship will one day become something where, God, you look at our lives and you say, we bring you great joy and God as we experience that kind of relationship with you and as we take your words and bring them into our lives then God we can be ready to do the next right thing the way Jesus was ready to do the next right thing and God ultimately I know that I can only do that as your spirit is alive and well inside my life, changing, changing me from the inside out, rearranging my life and my priorities. And God, I ask that you would be at work doing that so that I can say in my own life, the old is gone, and now the new is here through you. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray these things. Amen.